This is an OSV Podcast Network production. To learn more, visit osvpodcasts.com. We know that if we do stay together, if we walk and talk and work and play and stand together in Jesus' name, we'll be who we say we are, truly Catholic. And we shall overcome. Welcome to Hope Stories with Black Catholics with me, your host, Sister Josephine Garrett. When I wrote my book, Hope and Invitation, I discovered that it was such a gift to be able to share my own story of hope, reflecting on the church, reflecting on Jesus and the Eucharist. That inspired me to invite more people to share hope stories. And so we're beginning with Hope Stories with Black Catholics, a gathering of Black Catholics from around the United States who share their own stories of hope, their hope for Black Americans in the church, and their hope for the church as a whole. I am so excited about today's episode with Archbishop Shelton Fobb of the Diocese of Louisville, Kentucky. When I had the idea or thought to make this podcast, the hope was that it would be a drawing closer and closer to the Eucharistic table for all listeners, uh, listeners who are Black and already Catholic, listeners who are Black and thinking about being Catholic, or really listeners of any race and ethnicity, to feel encouraged to draw closer to the Eucharistic table and also feel encouraged to draw others closer to the Eucharistic table. The reason Archbishop Fob is such a gift to us in this episode is because of the authority that he's able to speak with because of his nearness to the Eucharistic table as a good, holy, wonderful archbishop who receives the fullness of the priesthood being ordained as a bishop. I challenge listeners, I have a challenge for you to find the point where he makes me cry because he does make me cry. Had to get out the tissues um, because he just really spoke to my heart, said some words that I needed to hear as a Catholic, as a religious, as a Black woman, as a Black American. And so he was. A, it was a gift to me to interview him. I'm sure he will be a gift to you as well. I just, my heart, as we were getting logged in, my heart like filled with joy. I'm so honored and excited to be able to sit in this interview seat. And I'm going to do my best not to talk too much. I can run my mouth too much. So I'm going (laughs) to try to do my best to listen and just to receive the gift of being able to listen to you and all the guests who are participating. But I'm grateful for your time. Let's begin with introductions. You are the Archbishop of Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, please introduce yourself to to our listeners, Archbishop. Sure. Well, my name is Shelton Fobb. I uh, currently serve the wonderful people of the Archdiocese of Louisville as the fifth Archbishop and tenth Bishop of the Archdiocese of Louisville. I was born in New Roads, Louisiana, so uh, Louisiana is my home. I belong to St. Augustine Church in New Roads, Louisiana, mm. which was such a profound part of uh, of my uh, my formation as uh, as Catholic and, and as a priest, and uh, still remains very very close to my heart. I went to Catholic High School of Point Capi, graduating in 1981. I then went to uh, Minor Seminary College Seminary at St. Joseph Seminary College in St. Benedict, uh, affectionately referred to as St. Ben's. That's where I first met you. Yeah, that's right. That's <laughs> where I first met um, you at the Chosen Retreat. Seminary. Yes. Then I went to the American College of Louvain, Belgium, for theological studies. Completing my studies there, I was ordained priest at the Diocese of Baton Rouge on August 5th, 1989. So this year I will be 
over 30 years as a priest, whatever mm, it is. Math was God. never my strength. <laughs> I much more preferred English grammar. Oh. Um, served in the Diocese of Baton Rouge for uh, 17 years in various capacities. And uh, in 2007, uh, Pope Benedict named the Auxiliary Bishop of New Orleans. So I was uh, ordained an Auxiliary Bishop in New Orleans and spent my time there as an Auxiliary Bishop supporting the ministry of the two archbishops, their primary role as shepherd of the archdiocese. Mm -hmm. And then in 2013, Pope Francis named me the Bishop of Homa Thibodeau in Louisiana, coastal Louisiana, where I served as bishop amongst the wonderful, wonderful people of the bayous of Louisiana until, uh, until March of 2022, last year, when I was installed as uh, Archbishop here in Louisville. So I've been here about 10 months now, and um, I'm growing to know and to love the people uh, mm -hmm. of this archdiocese as we journey together, being the people Christ calls us to be. So that's a little bit about me. Both my parents are deceased. Um, mm -hmm. I was one of six children. I was the fifth child, fourth son of six. My oldest sister lives in Baton Rouge. My oldest sister has dementia, so she's in a nursing home, wonderfully cared for um, by her children. Uh, my oldest brother drowned accidentally in 1973. The next brother died of heart complications three mm -hmm. years ago. The next brother died of leukemia in 1980. So we've mm -hmm. known our, our pain and struggle. Okay. Me, I'm the fifth. And then I have a younger brother who still lives in New Roads after. So much of our family and so much of life uh, being in New Roads, Louisiana. Yeah. kind of is sad and poignant that uh, uh, my youngest brother is the only one who still lives in New Roads with his family. So, okay. That's kind of my my life your, in a your, nutshell. The joys and sorrows. Yes. And so there are three of your siblings uh, living, three of God three of and us. the Lord. Yeah. Okay. And um, thank you for the introduction. I think the main thing I hear is that being a priest doesn't lack adventure, right? It does for not. A few decades, you've had a lot of adventures. Never a uh, dull moment. Yeah. Archbishop, I would love if you would share more, like in your family growing up in New Roads. Uh, so our hope in these podcasts is one, just to highlight the beautiful, unique, rich faith journeys of, of you know, Black Catholics. And so if you could share, like, what was faith like growing up for you and your family? What did it feel like, look like? What did Sundays look like for y'all? Yeah. Well, our, our much of our family, you know, uh, as was typical for that time, I'm a small town, South mm -hmm. Louisiana. So much of our life revolved around the church, you know, participation in the faith community, the church fair, all of those aspects of life that were uh, communal and, and, and faith and nature were, were centered uh, on the church, St. Augustine a very large part of our lives. My mother was a powerhouse prayer. My mother mm. prayed and prayed and prayed. My image of my mother is, is St. Monica. Always mm. turned to the Lord in prayer. My mother was a teacher, an elementary school teacher. My father was a brick mason. My father had strong faith for many, many years in his own way. But mm -hmm. um, towards the end of his life, his faith became even stronger. And uh, he manifested that faith, though I always knew he was a man of faith. 
So she really it is a Saint uh, Monica, your yeah, mom. Yeah. She really is a Saint yes, Monica, just right. with you and yeah. and uh, like uh, shepherding her husband and yes, way to grow exactly. in his faith. So. What kind of parish was Saint Augustine's? Like, what did you find yes. there? Saint Augustine uh, is an African American parish, stands mm-hmm. still, uh, and then by by the Josephites it was a place where, you know. Um, all of the gifts that are mentioned in what we have seen and heard that are gifts <laughs> of the Black Catholic community were very, very tangible and, mm. and utilized and were very much uh, present. You know, it was uh, a place where you went in the joys of life. It was a place where you went uh, in the sorrows of life, you know, professing faith in Jesus Christ uh, through them all. So Augustine produced a number of religious priest mm. gifts of black Catholics it was easily found and continues to be found at, uh, at St. Augustine. It was very, very formative. I, w- I went to Catholic school, mm-hmm. but um, up to parochial school, but all of my sacraments, I can remember my mother saying, you will receive your sacraments at St. Augustine because mm. that is your parish church. That is your church family. So first reconciliation, first communion, confirmation, my first mass, mm. all of that uh, was, uh, was a St. Augustine. Now you use these three words, the gifts were tangible uh, going to St. Augustine. I would just love to hear more about that when you say the gifts were tangible. Such a mm-hmm. beautiful, beautiful three words. Mm-hmm. Well, by that, I mean, the gifts were embodied in people, you know, mm. uh, Gifts can be uh, can be words on a page. As there's an there's an academic expression to gifts of black Catholics, but mm. there's also a side that you can see these gifts tangible in someone, or you can see these gifts tangible in a community. You know, they shine forth. Um, they are a manifestation of the printed word on the page. You know, joy and and all of that, all that. Uh, Black Catholics bring to the church. So those gifts were tangible in people, yeah. and those gifts were could be seen. You could see those gifts in people, and they utilized those gifts, and you could see those gifts in the community as well. So mm-hmm. through those people, you could touch them, you know, because you could you could touch you could touch the people and and uh, possess it was those sacramental. Gifts. It was a sacramentality, exactly. Yes, it was a sac- an embodiment. Yes, a re- like a revealing of what is spiritually true, like Correct. in the flesh. And was the parish so important to your mom because it was your neighborhood parish? Or were there other reasons where she had that devotion to tell you, you will receive your sacraments here, come what may? What do you think I, drove that, that it devotion? Was, it, was, it, was our, it was our parish. Yeah. You know, it was the home. parish for the, um, the area around it. And uh, for my mom, that was... Uh, very, very important reality. Faith was very, very important uh, for uh, for my mother, mm. uh, and um, and she shared that faith. And the church was very, very important for her, and she gave generous amounts of her time and resources uh, to uh, to the church. So I think that you know, it was an extension of our family, and since family was so important to my mother, the church was an important. It was an extension of our. Family. You know, I know we plan to talk some about the document, what we have seen and heard, um, written by uh, 10 Black bishops. Uh, I believe it was 1981. Am I right in my date? Or is it 89? 
No, I, I, I think it was 89. 89. Age, okay. Yeah. I know we had planned to talk some about that. And I almost want to transition there now because of what you said about how your mom saw your parish as yes. the, an extension of the family. That is something that is uniquely common um, in, bla- in the Black community, that our family our sense of family is an extension, mm-hmm. you know? So we have the family, we live within our house, mom, dad, and the kids, right. but family is also cousins down the street and folks mm-hmm. at the parish. And so right. I just would love for you to share, as you look at that document today, what parts resonate with you the most or what stands out for you? Well, I think, you know, the document states, these are the gifts of, uh, of Black Catholics. These mm-hmm. are the gifts that Black that Black Catholics bring to the church. And I mean, you know them well. A great devotion to scripture. We are informed by faith. You know, with scripture, nobody knows what it means to go from bondage to freedom, you know, like the African-American experience. I highlighted that part. Exactly. (laughs) I highlighted that part, yeah. Reconciliation and all of those spirituality, um, spirituality of Black people. And it goes very deeply into, into each one of those gifts and, and how those gifts are uniquely expressed in, in our racial and cultural family. And then, in my mind, the second half of the document says, okay, now with all of these gifts, here are some areas that we are called to evangelize amongst ourselves as well as in, in the larger church. So you know, these gifts are are not given to us to be selfish. Gifts are mm. never given by God to be selfish. Gifts are given to be utilized and used and to uh, build up the common good and, and the people of God. And then the, the second half of the document goes into, here are some areas, you know, that that these gifts uh, can be utilized. And I think the wisdom of the document and some of the challenges that are long enduring in the church and in our country, it's interesting that you know, the document is still very, very relevant for today in a wonderful, wonderful way, in a way that is to be celebrated, mm. but in a way that is also sad. Mm. So um, so I think the document is still relevant. It, it can be a source and is a source of joy and part of who we are, but it's also a source of our pain because it reminds us of the challenges that still remain for us and the challenges that we, that we still face. So I think it's a very relevant topic. I'm grateful to you for that because as I read it, that truth didn't settle on me, but you're absolutely right in that as I listen to you now, that truth is really settling on I can feel it in my heart just like resting on me that the relevance of the document is connected to the fact that the kingdom is still coming and that we still have work to do. So if you could just say more about um, that that dual experience of the relevance of this document, that it's relevant because there are joys and it's relevant because there is pain. Please expand on that, Archbishop. You know, an important part of our Catholic theology, who we are as Catholics, is this understanding that Jesus initiated the kingdom of God. Mm. Okay. The kingdom of God will not be complete until Christ comes again. Mm. So we live in this interim period. (laughs) And as we all know, to be caught between, so to speak, is never a comfortable place to be. So that is the challenge, you know. So 
Christ initiated the kingdom of God, which means that the kingdom of God is here amongst us. We exist in the kingdom of God, but it is not complete. So there are still challenges. There's still sin. And yet the power of the Holy Spirit is with us as disciples of Jesus Christ so that we can be building up the kingdom of God, advancing the kingdom of God, um, calling and, and challenging ourselves and others to more and more become who and what Jesus calls us to be as individuals and as a church. And we do all of that with, with joy and we are empowered by the Holy Spirit and the call of our baptism to do that. But the kingdom will not be complete. Christ comes in glory. And so until that day, as Jesus' parable says, there will be weeds amongst the wheat. There will be, you know, wonderful things to celebrate. Yeah. And it, to let it grow, as much as I want to get in the garden and do what I want to do, <laughs> to let it grow. He's like, get out the garden, Sister Josephine, let it grow. <laughs> you live with both, you know, and that's that's the joy and the pain. And mm. I think that, you know, what we what we have seen and heard reminds us here are reasons for us to believe and know very... that we exist in the kingdom. Mm. But since the kingdom is not complete, here are some challenges for us then. I have a very direct question, Archbishop. Mm -hmm. For a Black Catholic, what does the in-between look like and feel like, in your opinion? Very good question. Um, I think it feels like um, a question of, does the church appreciate my gifts? Does the church recognize my gifts? Does the church utilize my gifts? Because amidst all that is positive about the kingdom of God, there are still challenges for us as Black Catholics. I don't deny that. But I do think the call of what we have seen and heard, and the call of, uh, you know, John Paul II, when he spoke to Black Catholics in New Orleans, I think 1987, mm -hmm. to bring your gifts to the church, you know. And I think. When we remember that we are in that in-between period, and when we can uh, get discouraged, you know, I think we have to remember it is not ours to complete the kingdom of God. It is ours just to work towards its completion. Mm. Jesus will complete it. Yeah. So we do what we can, and we bring our gifts and offer them and utilize them, place them before the community and embrace the calls that are ours to be the people that Christ is, is uh, calling us to be. So it can be at times, you know, disheartening to mm. feel um, unappreciated. And not But seen. at the same time, we know our gifts and yeah. we know ourselves. And so we should go forth and, and, and do something, you know, um, and, and try to do our part to advance the kingdom of God. So I think that 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 betwixt and between, mm. it's one manifestation for, for Black Catholics. So sometimes we can feel underappreciated, but I think mm. the Lord Jesus fully appreciates us, and it is the Lord's church, and so we do it for the Lord, and we do it for, for the good of the upbuilding of the church that we love. 
That's a word, Archbishop, because it struck straight at my heart. <laughs> it struck straight at my heart because I think, and I'm talking for myself now, I like to, I would love to think like I feel as gift without appreciation, but this is a lie. So without somebody to receive the gift, it becomes harder to walk in gift. Mm-hmm. I just think that's such a truth that you just spoke because it, mm-hmm. it, it went whoosh like a dagger just <laughs> straight into my heart. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because to be appreciated, to be received, and like that community you grew up in where that's tangible, right? Mm-hmm. So there's someone to receive the gift and they are signed to me and I am signed to them like a revelation of a spiritual truth. And right. so, yeah, that came like a yeah. dagger in my heart. <laughs> right. And I know that that's, that is painful. I know that feeling, but, you know, there are times when we can't wait around for our gifts to be appreciated. Come on now. put them into practice. Amen. Go and do, yes, you know, yes. do something, you know. I know the cross that it is to carry, feeling unappreciated, underappreciated, but it is the Lord Jesus' church. Mm. Jesus appreciates our gifts and calls us to use them. And so I think we put them into practice. We utilize them. You know, it is a gift. And I think people benefit from our gifts. So I think we, we place them before them, even though they may not understand or recognize those gifts. We use them anyway. Because what you said, it is God's kingdom to complete. It is, it is God's responsibility to given to us yeah. by Jesus Christ. Yes. Um, I, when I was looking back at this document, I just want to encourage anyone listening, anyone listening, no matter what your race or ethnicity, to pick up what we have seen or, or heard and heard. It's not long, but it talks about, it gives shape to this Black spirituality, that Black spirituality is contemplative, holistic, joyful, and communitarian. Um, it what stood out to me was the contemplative and the holistic. I think it's because I'm a counselor. And it mm-hmm. says, we're not ashamed of our emotions. You know, there are things no. we don't have to tuck away and hide. And then we talked about contemplative. It talked about the mm-hmm. spontaneity, right, exactly. of the Black faith. And I was laughing yeah. because I just did that to someone yesterday. Mm-hmm. We were in the middle of conversation and, and I started to pray. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. so, yes, yeah. correct. You know, expression is not um, overcasting of of experience, it's it, you bring all of that experience to to your to your liturgical expression. You know, mm-hmm. it's not just about it's holistic. You use your body and everything to worship. So mm. you know, it's it's all one great expression. So that we can go out the next week and do it all over again. Mm. And then it, it is ultimately appreciated. The revelation of that is coming, just like the kingdom is coming. But yeah, I kind of want to shift now and talk about hope, like hope specifically. I just finished a book on hope. And so I want to ask each guest, one, to define hope, like how would you define hope? But then also to share one of your biggest hope stories, Archbishop. Mm -hmm. I define hope as, you know, um, I think it's the letters to the Hebrews says, hope is confidence in things unseen. <laughs> That's hope. When we, when we have hope, we have great confidence through faith in things that, that are not seen or things that are not yet. So hope 
you know, roots itself first and foremost in Jesus Christ. And I think hope is a result of faith. Mm. We have faith, we have hope. Um, so that's, that is, you know, my, uh, my, own, uh, my own understanding of, of hope. The greatest hope that I have known is that I have um, always hoped that the Lord would be with me in everything. Mm-hmm. And thus far, my, my hope has not been disappointed. Mm-hmm. Uh, continues to be my hope that Christ will, will be present with me in everything that I do and now and into the future in every aspect of my life. Mm-hmm. That is my hope. I have seen it in the past. It is unseen in the future, mm. but that is my hope built on faith that mm-hmm. I know that uh, in one way or another, the Lord will, will be with me. So that is my, my, ongoing, my ongoing hope. I have had, you know, other kinds of hope that sometimes have panned out and have not. But that important hope, no matter what, that Jesus would be with me has always, always proved true. Mm. And that is the fruit of hope for me. Is there a specific like story that you have, Archbishop, where it was like a time in your life where you were waiting for the Lord to come through, needed him to come through, like a specific example of maybe a difficult time where you Mm -hmm. needed to hope and how that worked out for you? Well, I will I will say, you know, it's a challenge. Um, I am now serving in my fourth diocese. Mm. (laughs) So. Uh, three times in a significant way, I have been called to uproot my life mm. and, and to move. I was happily a priest of the Diocese of Baton Rouge and was called by the Lord to be uprooted and moved to New Orleans, where I rooted myself. And then I was called by the Lord again, uh, like Abraham, to uproot myself and to move to home of Thibodeau, which is all within the state of Louisiana. Mm-hmm. And then I was called to uproot myself after making a home amongst good people at home with Thibodeau and, and to move here uh, to Louisville. That is a challenge mm. in each instance. And each time, um, those radical changes in, in life that not only I know, but many people know. Yes. When circumstances demand that you leave what you know and go to something that maybe is unknown to you or mm-hmm. a place that is unknown to you you. So in those times, you know, arriving in, in those new dioceses and, and just ultimately having nothing but the Lord, no support structure, mm, friends, yeah. just faith in Jesus and hope in his promise. I've always, uh, I've always felt the nearness of the Lord and he has always, always come through. So those would be the examples that, that would be significant in my life where, mm-hmm. where my hope was was fulfilled even so here in Louisville my hope my hope has has been and continues to be fulfilled mm-hmm. and Jesus the Lord keeps upping the ante right like yeah look <laughs> slow he's <laughs> slow know. playing you <laughs> who knows exactly. this time it was 11 hours away so. <laughs> yeah but you know, Jesus stretches us. He stretches little us all little. the way into the kingdom of God. Little, so, amen. Come on now. He stretches us all the way into the kingdom of God. So we'll come on home. If he said, right, do it all right now, we would probably run, right? Right. 
with a little stretch by stretch. Little by little, he stretches mm. us until he stretches us to the to the kingdom he will establish, as we were talking about. Mm-hmm. Thank you. What I, I guess what stands out to me and what you shared about the experience of being uprooted and then waiting for your hope to be fulfilled is the need for the empty space, right? Hope can't be fulfilled if the space is full up of something else. Exactly. And so like the emptiness that was created with up, each uprooting. Yeah. Very much so. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I'm closing each episode with Archbishop is the beautiful quote from Sister Bowman when she addressed the United States bishops. Um, she said, what does it mean to be Black and Catholic? Uh, it means that I come to my church fully functioning. I bring myself, my Black self, all that I am, all that I have, and all that I hope to become. I bring my whole history, my traditions, my experience, my culture, my African-American song and dance and gesture and movement and teaching and preaching and healing and responsibility as gifts to the church. Archbishop, as you hear her words, what's your greatest hope for Black people in the Catholic Church and any of those who might be considering being Catholic? My hope for Black Catholics in the Catholic Church is that we will always appreciate who we are and whose we are, Mm. who we are as Black Catholics, and who we are as disciples of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And that everything that we do roots itself in a person, Mm. Jesus Christ. You know, it is about Jesus Christ, a person who invites us to come to know him through his church Mm -hmm. and to bring our gifts to that church so that others might come to know Christ through us and so that we might come to know Christ in a greater way through them. So my hope for Black Catholics is we will always remember our relationship is with the person Jesus Christ who calls us to be a part of his church to which we bring our gifts and we utilize those gifts with all of the joys and challenges that are found there. And through the church, Christ Jesus nourishes us through the Eucharist to continue the challenge as he stretches us into the kingdom of God, which is, which is yet to come, to have an appreciation always of who we are and whose we are and the church to which we belong and the church of which we are a very important part. Mm. Thank you so much, Archbishop. I'm so grateful for you. I feel like the people of Louisville uh, have been blessed. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah, I feel like they I have, have been, been blessed. blessed. Them as well. Yeah, so great. As I have been blessed everywhere. Everywhere, I yes. So everywhere I And just the gift of yourself. I'm excited to share all that you've said here with the people who will listen. I would love for all us right. to close in prayer. So do you mind again, Archbishop? Not at all. Thank you. Let us pray in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Good and gracious God, hear us as again we turn to you with great confidence, knowing that you have gifted us, knowing that you have called us, knowing that you send us. May we be aware of our gifts. May we hear your call. May we be willing to be sent to be your presence to all of those who are in need of your love, your comfort, 
and your guidance. Pour down your grace and blessing upon each and every one of us. Keep us close to you. And through the intercession of Mary, your mother and our mother, may we more and more grow into the individuals and the church that you call each of us to be. We pray this through the same Christ, our Lord. Amen. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you, Archbishop. It's absolutely a delight. (laughs) Thank you for joining me for this episode. I hope it was a blessing to you as much as it was to me. I will be praying for you, and please pray for me. And then, like, for real, I'm really going to pray for you. This has been a production of OSV Podcasts. Use code HOPE25. That's H-O-P-E-2-5 for 25% off plus free shipping on Sister Josephine's book at osvbooks.com slash hope.